This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 97. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? I'm Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, Brandon? Uh, not much. Uh, it's cold. It's Is freezing it? cold. Oh, what's I don't it, like, like it. 50 over it's there? It's like 40, all right? You know, oh, it's a miserable existence. I'm so sad for you. Yeah, we had like the Arctic plunge. It was zero for like a week here. It was pretty miserable. Snow. Snow. We had snow. We went sledding, which was fun. But uh, it's exciting. Yeah. I haven't seen snow in a while. Yeah, well, you know, that's what happens. That's what happens. All right. Yep. So what are we doing today? We've got a cool show, man. We've got a cool show. I, I, we're going to just cut through all the BS since nobody cares about us. And we're going to go straight to uh, our guest, there we Kyle go. Pettit. Who is Kyle Pettit, Brennan? You brought him on. Kyle Let's... is a buddy of mine. He's one of my good buddies out here in uh, Washington State. And he has a really, really good story uh, that if, if you are listening and you are just getting started, you're going to love. If you've been doing this for a while, you're going to love even more. So it's a... Really motivating and just kind of cool to see how he's progressed over the last just two years, pretty much uh, built in his business to the point where he can quit his job. And he did. Nice. So. Nice. Is this a buddy story like you and him or? or no, this... he did this alone. I didn't even help him. Oh, OK. OK, no. cool. Yeah, yeah. No, right on. Well, yeah, Kyle's a good guy and, and definitely has some some cool stuff to share, especially, you know, I think the thing that I walked away from the interview with was uh, it's not as easy as they make it look yep. all the time. You know, we've got a lot of guys who... who you know, make it sound easy. And the gurus really make it sound easy because you could sit on your couch in your underwear and have the money just flow in. But, yep. but uh, no, it's not that easy. And, you know, if you want to be successful as an investor, you got to have some patience. You got to have some perseverance. You got to fight through some of the tough times. And, and uh, it's, it's always fun to hear those stories, not because I, you know, enjoy hearing people have difficult times, <laughs> but because it's nice to hear that everybody listening you guys are not alone. You yeah. know, everybody's struggling. Everybody struggles at some point and everybody kind of deals with similar challenges in many ways. So I definitely encourage everybody to to stay tuned and listen through. Before we get to the show, let's do today's quick tip. All right. Today's quick tip is... Uh, Every week, we've talked about this before, but I wanted to rehash it. Every week, uh, pretty much we do webinars on bigger pockets, just different subjects. I usually host them and we just hang out for an hour and talk about stuff. So uh, if you want to attend a webinar, uh, check out what the newest one is. We have new ones all the time, but you can always find out at biggerpockets.com slash webinar and sign nice. up there. Nice. And it's every one to two weeks. Yeah, it's so. not every week. It's yeah, whenever I get around to it. <laughs> <laughs> but if you get on the landing page of the, the slash webinar landing page, you'll, you'll get the date of the next one and the topic. So there you go. just check back regularly. Awesome. Awesome. Passive income without the property headache. It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The Wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. 
With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. Well, let's jump into the show. We've got uh, Kyle Pettit, as we talked about already, and let's bring him in. So, Kyle, welcome to the show, man. Good to have you here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, it's, no problem. Uh, my pleasure. My pleasure. You know, that was that was all me. <laughs> you know, all right. So back in the day, people who don't know this, I don't know, maybe I mentioned it earlier, but, uh, you know, back in the day, Kyle and I actually know each other. Uh, you know, you brought me out to coffee. Like you actually looked me up on BP and said, Hey, you want to go get coffee with me? And we did. And, yeah. uh, that, I think it was that day I was like, I'm going to bring him on the podcast someday. Like, that's what I said to myself. Yeah. And I'm like, and you said it to me, I think, I think I might've said it to you. Yeah. Like I, when he has more, some more deals. Cause like you just had that, I don't know, something special that I thought uh, would be good to have on the show. You guys so. need a room, something special. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like you have, yeah, I don't know. You're a, you're a go-getter on for Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, yes. seriously, you're a good guy. I'm excited. We're going to, we're going to talk about your story today and, uh, uh, looking forward to it. So why don't we, uh, well, I hope yeah. that I'm, uh, I can contribute, you know, after listening to some of the other some of the other guys, uh, you know, I listened to Anson's interview today, and it's like, man, how am I going to compete with that? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good interview. Yeah, it was good. It was good. good. Yeah, you'll do well. All right, let's let's do it. Let's start at the beginning where we always start. Uh, how did you get into this thing? How did you get into real estate? Um, so I've always had an interest in real estate uh, from the time I was in high school. It's you know never knew really had a niche or knew what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in real estate. And never really did anything with it. You know, my dad had a couple of properties that I helped him work on, and he he did a flip, one flip. Um, and it's better I just, than most, by the way. Yeah, it's better than most. But uh, you know, I was exposed to it young and knew I wanted to do it, but never really knew where to start, and just kind of got caught up with life, and you know, got a career and a couple different careers. You know, I tried a few different things, and you know, my last switch, I was actually in Montana uh, a couple of years ago now. And uh heard this commercial come on. It was a Rich Dad, Poor Dad promo that they were in town and they were having a conference. And I was sitting there and it was like, you know, 12 degrees. And I'm thinking, this is miserable. I got to find something <laughs> else to do. 
So I went to the went to the conference that night, and it was one of the free deals, kind of an upsell, but it got me in the mindset anyway. So I kind of started doing my own research, and uh, that year uh, bought our first rental property, and I've just kind of been building ever since. So that's that was how I got my official start was uh, just by, you know, hearing kind of a little voice. You know, it was a kind of a a clue, I guess. So that's that's where I got started. Nice. Cool. nice. So you're not still hearing voices, are you? No, well, only <laughs> once in a while. Okay. <laughs> I'm just checking, just making sure. Just making sure. All right. So you, you said you, you, know, you, you didn't want to be outside in the miserable cold. Mm. What were you doing? What was your job? What, what, uh, what were my, you last, my most recent was uh, I worked construction, uh, line construction through the uh, IBW union. Okay. So I, was I don't ready, know what that means, but okay. Getting ready to go through my uh, lineman apprenticeship. To uh, you know, work on power lines and all yeah. that good stuff. So, oh, power lines, power lines, gotcha. So never actually got into my apprenticeship. In fact, the day <laughs> the day I got called after putting all that time in, waiting to get into my apprenticeship and going through the interview process, actually that it was like the day before they called and said, "Hey, you're next on the list." Uh, I had I had just closed my first big wholesale deal and I was like yeah well, this is this is better <laughs> so nice that's nice. cool I never actually went went through with it um and that's what I've been doing ever since is sticking with real estate so nice. so you ultimately got that first deal and, and we'll talk about it but you mm-hmm. got that first deal and that was it that was like all right I'm I'm done I'm not working yeah but for myself uh well you know my first I, I didn't quit after my very first deal it was the okay. first first big paycheck I should say gotcha well, gotcha. I, I want to know more. Well, I, was gonna say, I want to know more about that very first deal, like the, the rental yeah. property. Maybe the we rental can, property, yeah, let's yeah. dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So the the first rental property was uh, it was an REO, and then I had kind of been watching it here in town, and the price kept dropping and dropping. And oh, real quick, you should you should explain where you where you live. Like people oh, make fun yeah. of me. People make fun of me oh, for yeah. living in Podunk, Washington. Oh, you're oh, yeah. in, you should talk to Kyle. I in- <laughs> I live. Yeah. What? Come on. I live I live about twenty minutes south of Brandon yep. in a little town called Raymond, Washington. It's just how a many little, people live there? Uh city limits population is uh it's under three thousand. Wow. That's actually bigger than I thought. I was thinking like you and like four other guys. Uh, all pretty in, like, much lumberjack pretty outfits. Much. <laughs> <laughs> so that's nice. an old uh logging fishing town and it's you know, it's not the not the booming area that it used to be back in the day. It's just kind of a uh, slow pace living down here. So gotcha. So your plan is to own said town. <laughs> yeah, I've got four, so I've got half the town now. So. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got this REO, and REO is real estate owned. It's a bank owned foreclosure property with no liens on it, so it's free and clear. Well, lean, lean free and clear. Right. Um, and uh, you've been watching this thing drip and drop that was of course the only property available for sale in your town correct (laughs) (laughs) so uh yeah we we watched it and uh, decided to make an offer on it you know after after we had went to our second um uh conference i should say we decided just to dive in we made an offer and that took forever uh kind of went back and forth um Actually, the the offer when the offer finally got accepted, the week later I got called to uh, California to work. So, the offer went through, closed on the house, and three days later I went to California. Wow. Nice. <laughs> so nice. I was actually traveling. We rehabbed it ourselves. Uh, it didn't need a you know it wasn't a full rehab. It was just floors, carpet, paint, um, that that kind of stuff. But I was actually traveling back and forth every weekend to work on the house, and so mm. that was- from California. Yeah, from uh, Mount Shasta, California, wow. actually. 
That's not terribly far. No, about, only about 12 hours. I just, <laughs> I just drove that yesterday. It's a, yeah. ouch, it's a drive. Ouch. All right. Yeah, so just imagine that drive every weekend back uh, and forth. Yeah, that's crazy. No, that's thanks. crazy. <laughs> so, so you had mentioned, you know, kind of a back and forth bit of a process. What was that like? I mean, talk about the REO process. I mean, you know, were, were there any hoops you had to jump through or dealing with the bank? Was it, were there any headaches that kind of popped up? Well, it, it really, it really wasn't. It just took a lot longer than I anticipated because we'd never bought a property. Uh, that was sure. the first property we ever bought was a rental property, and uh, just the time that it took was it was irritating because you know there was no other offers, and they finally accepted. And even after they accepted the offer, it was weeks before we heard anything. And Interesting. So yeah, that was a learning experience. Is uh, just uh, gotta have patience, especially with that kind of kind of property. Yeah, cool. So, what were the numbers? Uh, you know, how much was it listed for? What'd you make the offer for? What'd you end up with it at? It was and- originally listed. It started at forty-five, and it, by the time it hit thirty-five, um, thirty-five dollars, thirty-five thousand. <laughs> oh, thirty-five thousand. Uh, okay. So, we, I made an offer. I started real low at twenty-five, and kind of countered back and forth. Ended up getting it for thirty-two thousand. Uh, it needed. I think we put you know, maybe five thousand into rehab. Okay. Uh, you know, it was still, you know, knowing what I know now, it's, I probably wouldn't have bought it because it doesn't meet kind of the return that I'm looking for rental wise, but we paid cash for it. So it wasn't financed. Yeah. Um, so it, we, we still haven't put any, any debt on it. So we're still, still just cash flow right now. So we don't, we don't have any debt on that property and it's, it's actually been our best property, our first one. So what, what are you renting that for? 600. Okay. So just under 2%. Yeah. 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 Right cool. on, right on. Not bad, not bad. Um, can I can I just ask why did you not put debt on it um, at the time uh, and today? Why do you not you know put some debt on it, get some c- cash out? What's kind of your reasoning? Um, well, now you know it, at the time it was just because I knew it would be a quick you know offer that they they looked at over any others that would have come in, and uh, I really didn't want to deal with financing. Well, for one, the uh, bank wouldn't have lent on, uh, loaned on it because. Uh, it needed it, it, it. The power had been unhooked for a certain amount of time, and in this county, unfortunately, if it's unhooked for over a year, they require you to install a whole new underground service because they're trying to get rid of the overhead lines. I guess so. That that was a cost that I wasn't expecting. Uh, so, without power, um, there was no lender that would basically loan on the property. It just it needed too much. Yeah. Well, to, uh, l- let me ask you this then. First of all, do you have any reason why you? don't, you know, put some debt on it now. Are you, is that just like principle or you just haven't got around to it or you don't want to? Just haven't got around to it. I, I certainly will use it for leverage now. And I have used it as leverage, as collateral. I just haven't actually pulled any, any loans on it yet. Okay. Um, and then I, the certainly other- have, I certainly have plans to do so with it very soon. Cool. Well, the reason I just asked that because, you know, it's, it's one of the kind of like the, one of the creative methods that you can use to buy real estate is by, you know, having another property and then putting debt on that one to go buy more. And obviously this is a lower price property. You're not going to be able to pull right. you know, a $200,000 line of credit to play with, but <laughs> right. you know, you might be able to work something. The second kind of question I had was, you know, you're a younger guy. I mean, I don't know you and I are pretty close in age mm-hmm. uh, and you paid cash for that property. And I don't know a lot of guys, especially in our area, right. That have that kind of cash. Did you just save up from, from your job, just save up for years for that? Or, or you know, can you kind of talk about that? Well, yeah. it is a small town in Washington. Yeah. There's, a, there's, a po- there's a little trade of meth that we don't want to really talk there's, about there's, here. There's plenty of that around. Uh, but yeah, there's, uh, it, was, it wasn't all mine. You know, my wife, wife 
also we both contributed to it. But okay. yeah, I, I had a, a a little bit saved up, and she did as well. And nice. And so. Well, so, so maybe you can kind of, I don't know, do you have any good tips for people, I mean, that are listening to this right now who have a hard time saving up that down payment? I mean, they have a really hard time saving up five grand or three grand or two grand. I mean, a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, is there anything yeah, you can um, offer? I guess, you know, it's something I learned as well and everybody goes through it. But if you're still living at home or living in a place you can barely afford, but you've got an $800 a month truck payment, you need to rethink your priorities. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I went through that myself right now. We don't have any vehicle payments or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's a waste of money. It's so that just getting rid of a car payment alone can give you that extra six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month that you need to start saving. And it, it, it builds quickly when you're, when you're conscious of what you're throwing your money at. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's, it's especially hard. I don't know. I think it's, it's not a generational thing, but it, it it is somewhat. I mean, you look in the fifties. Everybody wanted to have the cash to put into their house. Today, everybody wants to have the bling that they want to, you know, show off and 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 you know, nice clothes or whatever. Which obviously everybody wants, mm-hmm. but you know, it's that sacrifice, right? You know, what right. are you what are you willing to do today to have the nicer things down the line? And and I think that's a common theme that we get on the show here. You know, folks who folks who've decided to get into real estate investing, they've thought. It, mm-hmm. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to be a real estate investor. You know, they they've had to put the time and energy in to analyze their financial situations. You know, they've looked at other sources of income as an investment, like stocks and bonds. I mean, you kind of go down this funnel to the point where you're like, oh, real estate. And to get there, you've gone through a lot of thought, mm-hmm. and and so um, I think that's probably why we see that, and why most investors at least are more money conscious than not. So it's cool, you know, it's, it's cool to see these young guys, this young generation of people, because I talk to a lot of young guys who don't have their heads screwed on right, and, you know, are spending it on everything else. Let's go to concerts every weekend. Let's go do this. <laughs> you know, like, oh, cool. Yeah, you guys go do that and be broke. Yeah, yeah there's, there's some, some sacrifices a person definitely has to make. Um, but, you know, you can still have a little bit of fun. You just can't do it every weekend. You right. Know? So. Exactly. I, I certainly yeah. wouldn't suggest being a being a hermit by any means. I, I like <laughs> yeah. to I like to have my fun as well, but we just uh, do it less frequently and on a bigger scale now. So <laughs> nice, nice. All right. So what was the next deal? I mean, did you do another rental after that first one? I or? did my second deal. I think I even made the offer on this property before we had a tenant in the uh, at single family. Uh, it, it may have just right afterwards, but it was a duplex that came up in town and. It came up at a, at a price that I knew it wasn't going to last, so I made an offer on it, uh, knowing I wasn't going to get financing, and uh, went went hard money, um, got approved, hard money lender. Long story short, the the guy that actually came down to to assess the property um, was actually from Raymond, oh, so really? he knew the area, and they were they were comfortable lending down here, and uh, I used the rental property as um, you know as collateral. Yep. So. They they took that and uh, that one didn't need any. You know, it's it's an older it's an older property. It's it's fairly dated, but it, it didn't need any work. It it had recent you know new windows, new roof, insulation. Um, just aside from cosmetics being a little dated, it was ready to roll. So we we jumped on that. Let let's go back and talk about the hard money lender. I mean, some people mm-hmm. might not know what that is. Um, can can you kind of explain what that is and what they do and and kind of how that process worked? Yeah, so hard money lenders is somebody who lends, you know, based on uh, 
more value of the property versus your income. And uh, they land at a at a high rate. They're not, you know, intended, you know, at least in my opinion, to be a long term option. It's more of a get in, get it secured, and and do something with it. They like to be in and out. But um, you know, there there's especially now today, there's they're everywhere. They're not hard to find. So it's it, it is a little difficult, as you know, to find anybody that'll lend in in rural areas. But they're out there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he can even say rural. He can say rural, rural yeah, a lot rural. better than I can. <laughs> <laughs> Though you, you are you just a curiosity? Are you from the like south at all? Just nope. All right. So here's why I asked that. This morning, my wife, I'm I'm doing kind of a, our prep call with you on this thing, and she uh, goes. He's got the Raymond accent. It's like that, like <laughs> very slight, like Southern, like Raymond Podunk Washington accent that I'm <laughs> trying hard to avoid. Wow! Yeah, wow! I'm, I'm the guy who's supposed to rip on people. I mean, <laughs> no, it's a good. It's a good. He thing. lives nearby. It's a good you. thing. <laughs> just, just keep that in mind. That is true. Okay, so hard money lenders are, are guys who lend on the property. Mostly, they don't look at. It's not like a bank. Uh, and how did you find that hard money lender? Can I can I oh, go ahead? You can jump back on that. Uh, so the hard money lenders typically people think of them as somebody that you would go to when you're doing a flip. Mm-hmm. So this, in in this case, you were not using it for the purpose of a flip. Um, can you kind of explain that before you get into how you found this guy? Yeah, uh, my my deciding factor in using the hard money uh, because we didn't have the cash, we just used it in our first purchase, and um, I knew there was going to be. At least I felt there would be multiple offers on the property, especially at you know what it was listed for, and so I just wanted to be the strongest offer on the property. And I knew if I could you know close quickly and or approved for the cash offer, it was going to be looked yeah. at before something with financing. So, and I actually went to our a couple local lenders here and told them you know gave them the numbers. I said this is what I'm doing. Um, would you? refinance on this, you know, you know, when, when it's all said and done, Oh yeah, no problem. You know? And, and that's something that I learned that, uh, you know, they'll tell you one thing <laughs> and, uh, do another. So we oh. actually, we, we ended up had to hold that property for six months on hard money before we could get it refinanced. Wow. Um, so I your get, plan was to, to get this hard money loan at, at mm-hmm. really high rates you know, you you kind of went up front and talked to these other lenders mm-hmm. with the hope that they'd refi it as soon as you closed. Right. And turns out that they were full of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. you ultimately, six months later, on this very high, this very expensive hard money loan, managed to get a refi. Yeah, and thankfully, you know that I was cash flowing so well on the property, even at hard money, I was cash flowing. So you know, it wasn't uh, it wasn't hurting us, but I wasn't getting what I knew we could out of it. So that bothered me. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, I find I find interesting that a lot of like lenders, I see it time and time again, right? Lenders are very optimistic or the bankers are very mm-hmm. optimistic. The front end people are very optimistic. And and then when it really comes down to actually doing it, they're not the ones that make the decision. And, mm-hmm. and they tend to get a, yeah, they tend to, to say one thing and do another. I, I face that all the time. And and usually they don't tell you no, like from in my case anyway, like they don't say no until they make you fill out like 400 forms and put you about a month or two into the loan process. Then all of a sudden, oh, we actually can't do that loan. Right. So I get that. Yeah. And then these guys, you know, even after the appraisal uh, came in, at, um, it was right about, I think it was 60 or 65% LTV on the, on the lender's appraisal. Uh, they still, I had to come with money out of pocket uh, before they would refinance. So yeah, that one, it, you know, it was, yeah, it, it's just a learning experience. You just got to uh, expect that. And, uh, 
and start building relationships, I guess, with your lenders early is, is a tip that I would, that I would suggest. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, I think that's huge. I mean, like building those relationships, we've talked about that on the show before. And, you know, I stress it all the time is start building those now, even if you're not mm-hmm. going to, you know, use that loan right now. So, um, do you remember where you got the hard money lender from, or I mean, where you found them? Like, was that online or? Yeah, it was online and it was, um, do you want me to say who they were? I don't know. I mean, you can, if you want to, you don't have to give them a free yeah, I, if you I, want. Found, <laughs> I found them online. Um, okay. I, I, and I had talked to a couple other people who had, had used them and said they were they were good and they ended up being really great. So I def- I'd definitely use them again. Cool, 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 cool. And, you know, you can find for anybody listening, if you're looking for hard money lenders, you can always post on our marketplace. Hey, at biggerpockets.com slash marketplace, I'm looking for a hard money loan. Here are the numbers. This is what I'm looking for. You can also uh, look in our hard money lenders to directory. I'm having a hard time talking today. The lender I use is in, is in the directory that you guys. That's what made, I thought. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's biggerpockets.com/slash/hardmoneylenders. And also, I mean, can I can I plug my book, Josh? No, you can't. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm plug my book. Oh, dude! Chapter five of the book on investing in real estate with no loan money down <laughs> is all about hard money and uh, the exact strategy that you use with hard money. On, uh, I talk a lot about. I've done that too. Hard money to refinance. So, all right. Anyway, if people want to pick that up, where can they go to get that? Biggerpockets.com slash no money. Wow. Look at that. See? I, Look at that. Today's that show is sponsored well by me. All right. Really well done. Well done. All right. Let's get to let's get to your next. Actually, we don't want to get to your next deal. I want to I want to hear about the numbers on this deal, the the duplex. Sure. The duplex? Yeah. yeah so uh, we paid just under sixty five thousand for it. It's uh, they're it's a they're both two bed, one bath units, but they're really big units. They're actually it's a three story. Three story how oh, wow. you know it's a it was built as a duplex it's not something that was turned into a duplex, so it's got uh i think each unit has uh i want to say like seventeen hundred square feet which is for a wow. for a two bedroom bath is is pretty big that's pretty good yeah so and uh we rent those for ones one's at six hundred and the other one is five seventy five which will be going up again when the when the next tenants move out nice, um, nice. so again, again almost close yeah. to that two percent yeah mm hmm Cool. cool. All right, let's move on to the next one. I mean, we can just kind of walk through your whole story. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. What came? Yeah. What came next? I mean, I think this stuff is really good. I mean, a lot of the guys we have on the show, you know, they're done a hundred deals. You know, Anson's done a hundred wholesale deals, right? Like, but I think people love this kind of stuff because it's like, you know, let's talk about your first, second, third, fourth. So we can do that all day. Yeah. Justify it however you want. Let's just get to it. <laughs> all right. All right. So, so what came I, next? Uh, my third deal, and keep in mind these all came pretty pretty quickly. So they were all. Uh, I mean, it was just, I couldn't believe, you know, how much there actually is to buying a house and, and, and doing it. It just, it sounds easy in theory, but it's, it's the details that get you. So, you know, the, the third deal was actually, um, a wholesale and it was a lease option wholesale. And, uh, it, the lead came in off of one of my Craigslist ads and, uh, kind of went over some options. I'd never done a lease option, of course, but I'd, I'd read, um, a couple of books. And so I just started working through it and, uh, and it turned into be a mess, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, tell us what is a whole, what is a, a lease option? How do those work? And, and, and how do you, wholesale how, does, it? how do you wholesale lease option? Yeah. How does that kind of work together? Yeah. So basically with the lease option or you um, don't in the case of this mess of a deal, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's been, it's been interesting, yeah. but, uh, you know, lease option is basically, you know, you, you, you tie the property up on a lease with, with an option to purchase with the, with the seller. 
um, full disclosure, they know exactly what's going on. And, uh, and then you, with an assignment contract, assign your interest to, to an end buyer who's wants to live in the property. And, uh, we did that and, um, you know, worked with the sellers. They knew every step of the way, what was going on, what I intended to do with it. And they were cool with it. Found some, some tenants, screened them and, um, verified income, all that good stuff. And, uh, that's, I guess, another tip would find would be to find a highly rated screening company because I actually used a company, and uh, two months after these guys moved in, um, the owners contacted me and said, "Hey, this <laughs> their check bounced," and and so you know the owners they kind of had a soft spot for this guy too. He gave him the whole story of you know lost his job and he's got a family, and so they they made the mistake. I I suggested you know, booting them, evicting them. I told them I'd help them out with that right away, but don't wait, don't let them stay in there. And, and it ended up, they, he, they're still in there. But, um, so we, we went with a eviction company and I tried to help them out along the way, but they just kind of kept making exceptions and, and didn't get everything to, you know, the attorney that was needed. And so it, it just kind of fizzled out and they're, they're still in there today. And, and I guess they're, they're paying what they can, but, uh, after the attorney, I talked to the attorney and he asked me if I screened these people. And I said, yeah, I did. And I sent him, you know, what I had pulled and, and what he got and what I got were two completely different things. They had prior evictions. They had history, you know, and I come from law enforcement, so I, I know what to look for. And, and, you know, kind of the red flags and the company I use, none of it came up. So hey, I would, that's not good. Yeah, I would highly good. suggest finding a top-rated company to use when you're screening people, so especially I, on something like that when you're handing over the, you know, basically taking that person and, you know, giving it to somebody else as their responsibility. You don't want yeah. to give them somebody who's a turd. Yeah. Uh, and, and I won't ask necessarily who the, the bad company was, but can you tell uh, who is the good company? Who are you using today? Uh, so it's a company out of Washington here, and they are called uh, Landlord Solutions. Okay. And okay. Uh, I haven't used a, them but good to know. They're they're a little more expensive but uh they obviously <laughs> they get uh, better results and and that's who I've been using now to screen for my own rental properties. Okay. Nice. Nice. And and it, we, we we have bigger pockets. I mean, we partner with Smart Move. Uh it's a TransUnion company. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, if folks are looking for a screening company, you can check that out at biggerpockets.mysmartmove.com and We've got a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of people who've used them, and and you know, overall, it's been it's been pretty good. So I hear good um, things about that. I definitely I've definitely recommend it. So cool. Okay, yeah, so awesome. uh, I want to go back and and just clarify because you know we kind of went over that real quickly on mm-hmm. wholesaling a lease option. Yeah. You know, for somebody who's new, that's probably completely you know blowing their mind. So you, essentially, correct me if I'm wrong here. You. You know, marketed for a property using Craigslist mm-hmm. and you got a motivated seller to say, yes, I want to sell it to you. And then you found somebody to do a lease option with them. So one of them signed the contract with like the buyer signing a contract with the uh, owner to do a lease option. And you are uh, officially at that point out of it. Correct. correct. But you correct. you hung around anyway. I mean, like in. in yeah. Uh, after, even after I signed everything over, because, you know, these were these I mean, they're the owners of the property are they're, they're good people. They were just relocated. He's in the military and uh, with what they owed on the property, it, it didn't qualify for a typical wholesale. And, and so I, you know, I kind of 
told them their what their options were, and they were they were comfortable with the lease option, and um, yeah, it just worked out. <laughs> the uh, the the tenant buyers ended up not being as good as they appeared to be on paper. So I mean, it's just a, it's I'm sure everybody's got a similar story that that's happened to, but yeah, I, I just felt bad, you know, for the for the buyers, and you know, I told them, you know, I've, I've been working with them still trying to help them out, but they just uh, you know, and it, it makes it tough too. They're in Florida and clear across the, the country. And it's just one of them deals that they're getting by. And, and uh, I just don't want to overstep my boundaries. And, and yeah. Yeah. well, I tell you so, what, Kyle, I mean, you're still, I, work, I, I, we're I, still working through it. You know, I just, yeah. a guy feels bad when that happens. So yeah. I'm, you know, I think well, you're, more than most people would. And you know, I think most people just walk away from it and say, Oh, that's their yep. problem. But I, I, they can't do that. So, <laughs> yeah. well, you're one of the good, good guys, man. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's what we look for. You know, we like the good guys. We like the guys who, who kind of make, you know, uh, make those choices and, and who, you know, step it up because, you know, in the end, A, you're doing it as just a, a, a human, right? You know, you're mm-hmm. trying to be human and, and B, frankly, you're, you're doing this as a means to better your business and better your career. And frankly, you know, word spreads around, you do shady things and, and not had you cut it off there you wouldn't have been shady i'm not saying that mm-hmm. but like you know by by going above and beyond it just kind of you know it trickles around man it'll it'll circle back and you'll get rewarded for it i think at least that's one of my crazy uh beliefs <laughs> nice did you end up making any money on this thing in the end or or no no not after the time and, and money spent trying to help get them out i mean yeah so yeah, no, no. I mean, it, in, at the beginning, it, it was a small lease option assignment. I think it was, uh, I'd have to look, I think it was 2,500 bucks or something like that. But yeah, after, after everything's said and done, I'd, it, I'll be definitely be in the hole on it, just trying to mm-hmm. get the right, just trying to do the right thing and, and make everybody, you know, make it work out. But I'm at a point where I'm not going to throw any more money at it if, if yeah. all parties involved aren't going to yeah, well, I mean, and they were—I mean, obviously, they were aware of the, you know, what we, what you were doing, and it was a mm-hmm. lease option. So, I mean, I, I think it's very cool what you've done so far, and I think it's important for people to hear this. You know, I I, I kind of been you know asking you these questions because I think it's good for people to know, you know, real estate doesn't always end up as a big, gigantic mm-hmm. check in your mailbox. I mean, despite what, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like wholesalers love to post pictures of their checks, and you know, that's a big thing. Is like, hey, look what I just made, you know, and and yeah, that's motivating, but you know, they never that's hold good. up the the check of, you know. Yeah negative $12, you know, like, <laughs> you know, they'd never hold up the bill and say, this is what I just did. So I think that's cool. Um, okay, let's move on. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I made a little more happy. Yeah. What, what so happened next? What happened next? next? Deal, um, even though I didn't have any money after that one, I, I sent out some <laughs> postcards and some yellow letters and, and some calls started coming in. And, and, uh, after my first postcard campaign, I got, you know, a whole bunch of calls and I uh, got excited because the phone was ringing and after started calling people back, you know, most people are, were pissed off and like, what are, what are you sending me? And, but I did get this one and uh, he's like, yeah, I got your postcard here. I, yeah. I'm interested in selling this place. And so set the appointment, went and looked at it and, and, uh, yeah, the place had been vacant for, like he said, five years and he had owned some rental properties and, uh, kind of got hit with the market and he was a broker and they just, uh, bought at the wrong time and, and lost a couple of the properties. And this one, he actually, they didn't have much debt on, but they were just lived too far away and didn't have the gumption to, it, it was partial rehab. He had, he had demoed it and begun rehab on it, but just couldn't finish it. So I uh, made an offer, uh, long story short, made the offer. He kind of him hawed and 
as we were negotiating, uh, the nosy neighbor shows up and he's like, Hey, what do you want for the place? I'll buy it. And uh, so that kind of caught me off guard. I'd never kind of been in a situation like that before. So I let him do his thing. And I told the, the seller, I was like, well, tell you what, let's, uh, let's meet up later. And he had another property that he wanted to show me. And so we met up at that property later in the evening, um, made him the offer. He agreed to the offer, but I couldn't get him to sign the contract. And he's like, well, just let me ask my wife, you know, the typical, let me ask the other half. And uh, went back and forth email for a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks went by. We met up with him and got the contract signed, found a buyer, what we thought was a buyer, and um, ended up uh, the buyer. I, you know, of course, I had never dealt with her before because I'd never done a typical wholesale deal, but that I met her and her husband. They're both really interested. Um, got an extension for her because she needed a little more time. And like two days prior to closing, she calls, uh, we can't do the deal. And so, you know, I didn't get an earnest money deposit or any of that kind of stuff. I'm just working off people's word, which, you know, I know you got to build a little history with people before you start doing that. You know, I I would, I would give that a tip always, you know, if you're working with somebody new, get, get somewhat of a non-refundable earnest money deposit. Yeah. Um, so we ended up two days to closing, we had to just dump it. So it went from what was supposed to be a, a twelve thousand dollar wholesale to about thirty five hundred bucks. So still came out positive on that one, which was yeah. good. So by dumping it, you don't mean you like you know gave it back. You just sold it to somebody cheaper. You're saying yeah. We had a we had a couple you know a couple of other interested buyers that were just a lot lower in price. Okay, but then we knew they could close. They do multiple properties, and so we we were confident that they would close on it, and they did within two days. So that was nice. good. Wow. So so here's my question: you, You've got this property. For sale, the nosy neighbor walks in. He's all like up in it, right? <laughs> he wants a piece of it. You're in there. You're talking to the guy, and you said it took weeks. You know, I I guess why did they end up going with you versus the nosy neighbor? Well, the nosy neighbor, it ended up being uh, it was just the house needed too much work than what he could take on. You know, okay. he, he had some properties. The guy lived next door. He owned a bunch of properties there in the neighborhood, and I think he was just. You know, being the typical, he was just bored. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> no, it, it's interesting because you don't usually hear about wholesale deals taking weeks and weeks and weeks to get a contract signed. Typically, you you kind of hear that a little bit of a shorter process. Um, There's definitely a, a lot of rapport building. Uh, yeah, yep. sell, um, you know, just to make them feel comfortable and. You're saying you're not like Michael Quarles walking the house. Hi, nice to meet you. Today I'm going to buy your house. <laughs> I, uh, I, I've listened to some of Michael's stuff. I, I envy him. I wish I could be a little more like <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> I try to leave there and I feel like I could probably be invited to Thanksgiving dinner with most of the people yep. that I nice. that I've been with. I just I spend uh, a little probably too much time on their right. on their poor building. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't I, I think that's commendable. I mean I think that's awesome. I think that's what wholesalers should do is spend more time on that rapport building. And I think a lot of them just get in there and all they think about is the money and the dollar sign and they just wanna wanna make something of it. And I think that's yeah. I think that's great to kind of build that relationship and, well, and honestly well, try to help them. Well the successful ones that we've spoken to and that we've spoken to off the podcast just in general, they they tend to be the ones who really focus on solving a problem. The yep. ones who are just going in for the kill for the money you don't really hear those guys sticking around forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, there, there has to be some semblance of it because in the end you're helping somebody with a problem, get out of that problem. And if you're just there to be like, Hey, here's some cash, you know, and not listening, yeah. people aren't going to take you seriously. 
And even guys like Quarles were, I mean, like he, even like he's a, you know, expert negotiator, but even he talked about, you know, if like there was like an old lady, he'd always make like the kid come, you know, one of her kids come and, and negotiate with, you know, cause like he didn't want to ever be seen mm-hmm. as taking advantage. He wanted to build that rapport and make sure that he's solving a problem, not taking advantage. And I mean, yeah. and again, he's successful and the ones that we see that are successful are like that. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. cool. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. Calling all property owners and operators. Are you managing a multifamily property and looking to elevate your residents' living experience? Introducing Quantum Fiber Internet, your go-to choice for speedy internet your residents will love. The process is as seamless as Quantum Fiber service. Starting at just $50 a month, your residents can enjoy fast, reliable internet that will make them love where they live even more. Connect with your local fiber representative today. Learn more at q.com slash go big. I wonder how they got that domain. That's q.com slash go big. Limited availability. Service and rate in select locations only. Taxes and fees apply. 360 Wi-Fi and other equipment lease charges, taxes, and fees are excluded from price for life offer and may be increased. Um, I want to ask you about, so the, the first deal you did, I mean, the rentals, the rentals worked fine. Now you're getting into wholesaling. The first one didn't work out so good. Um, and it's still in process. The second one worked, didn't work out as good as you had hoped. At this point, most people, I mean, I would say 99% of wholesalers would throw in the towel 
I mean, they wouldn't, wouldn't have probably done the second one you did, but like they would have probably said, oh, you know, this sucks. It's not making me money. I'm not rich yet. Like I thought I would be, you know, so <laughs> how did like you I was promised? Yeah. Like I was prompt, like, great. Right? Like, I mean, like wholesaling at its heart is very like a kind of a simple process. It's like, oh, you send out some letters, you negotiate the deal, you make some money, do it again. And, mm-hmm. and that is kind of like, and what I like talking to you about this is it's, it's like real life. This is what wholesaling is. I mean, this is what it is. And so do you have any, I guess, thoughts, tips on, on how you kept going? Cause I know we're going to talk about some more stuff you did after that, but how did you keep going? How do you keep going despite having those two that didn't work out the way you wanted? Uh, it really is just as much mindset as it is learning the trade. I mean, you got to work just as much on your mindset as you do learning about the business. Um, and that's really what kept me going. I, I, you know, found a couple of good resources and I knew I didn't want to go back to, you know, working outside and all that good stuff. And so I just, I knew I had to keep plugging away and, you know, I, I found a couple of good mentors and uh, I'm working with one right now in the area. And so I, I knew it, I know it works, knew it worked. And I just, I knew I had to just keep pushing and, uh, and that's what we've done and things are, things are starting to pick up. So so let's talk about let's talk about that deal. Then you did. You said you finally got a big check, and that's when you quit your job. Um, maybe you can tell us that story. Yeah. So it came in uh, on that, again off uh, yellow letters. Um, sent out some yellow letters, and um, can I and ask? Were, can I ask how yeah. many you sent out? I mean, like, what are you talking about when you're sending out? What does that mean? Ten thousand uh, or a thousand? No, no, no. no. I, I was just doing the doing it myself. I was sending out um, probably twenty five, fifty a week. Okay. Um, just doing what I could. And, um, and I was, I was, I was targeting absentee out of state. So I was, tar- I wasn't even, you know, sending them to absentee and state owners. I, I, I was, I was aiming for low hanging fruit cause I yeah. needed, I wanted to check. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, so I got a call and this house had been uh, vacant for a couple of years. Um, made her, I went and looked at the house, um, made the gallon offer and, you know, it, always hear guys saying, if you're not cringing when you make the offer, you've offered too much. Yep. And so I threw out the offer and she, oh yeah, that sounds okay. Wow. That's easy. <laughs> I should have asked less. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, uh, so got it under contract and, uh, talked to her a little bit more and she kind of gave me a little bit of story on, you know, what happened and why the house was vacant. And then I felt bad because I knew what I was going to make on an assignment. So like the next day I called her up and I was like, yeah, you know, we looked at the numbers and I can actually give you a little more. For that. <laughs> nice. So, uh, it went from, uh, it was set to be a $30,000 assignment to 25, you know? Wow. So most guys are probably thinking, what in the hell did you do that for? But I just, <laughs> I just felt bad. I guess. Yeah. So, I don't think there's anything happy. wrong with that. I was happy with no. what I was getting. No, that's great. Okay. So, so you ended up making 25 grand then off that. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. It's pretty good. Oh, I I love I love that that you know I don't know. We talk a lot about direct mail. I mean, we talk a lot about that. A lot of people are using direct mail. I love the fact that you just did your own twenty five fifty a week. Like you didn't go out and spend ten thousand a month on on sending out mass letters. You just did what you could where you could, mm-hmm. and uh, it worked out for you. And then I think that's great. Well, even if I could have afforded to do more, I couldn't have handled the calls that came in. So I knew I would have been wasted my money. If yeah. I didn't, did any more than what I was doing. And and that's yeah. something you and I talked about. We just talked about a couple of weeks ago at, when we were out at uh, the coffee shop about uh, answering phone calls. 
because I hate answering <laughs> phone calls, right? I hate that point. You don't like it either. So I um, absolutely despise it. Yeah. But. <laughs> nice. Is that, right, so what do you yeah. do then? Yeah, if you don't like it, do you, do you uh, actually I, answer? Or? I, well, no, they go to a, to a Freedom Voice. Okay. A voice account. I was using Google Voice, but I started having too many problems with it. So I use um, a Freedom Voice account now. What does that cost? Remember? So I think it's like 19 bucks a month. Okay. There's so a couple every, out there that are similar, but uh, yeah. So everything goes to voicemail. That gives you the time to kind of like mm-hmm. you know, get your confidence up, yeah, do some research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. And, and like I was talking to Brandon about, it's, uh, it really is all mindset because uh, I look at some of the stuff that I've done in the past, you know, as far as careers and things. And it's like, why, why I, this is what I used to do. And I'm afraid of the phone. I mean, it really is just, it's yep. it's all in your mind, and yeah. uh, it's still something that I struggle with making the phone calls. But uh, I'm keep, right there with you. Just keep pushing yeah. through it. Yeah, yeah. Is it uh, you know? Is it a preparation thing? If you kind of knew who was going to be calling you, and you had the the information that you needed in front of you on that person, and felt more prepared, do you think that would would make a difference? Because for me, I don't like answering calls from strangers because I want to be prepped. You know, mm-hmm. If I get a random phone number, I'm never going to answer it because I don't know who they are. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the call's about. And frankly, I want phone calls to be on my terms. I, I want to be able to talk to them when I'm, when I'm ready to talk to them. Yeah. Right? And so I, can, the same I, can kind definitely, I can definitely relate to that. Uh, what I'll do, um, what we do when a call comes in is um, we'll, we'll skip trace it just to see if, if it comes up with the name and cross-reference it with our list. That way we, we've at least got an address and can have the house pulled up in uh, like Google Maps. And so we can at least, when we're talking to the person, at least they think we've seen the house. And, you know, it just uh, it helps you be a little more prepared. I think it probably wastes a lot more time than most guys will, will do. But I'm the same way. I, I feel like i got to be at least a little bit prepared for who I'm talking to. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right on. Right um, on. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I, I was I was going to ask. You know, we we kind of glanced by it, but you know, you you did ultimately quit your job, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, how how did you know that 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 it was the right time? Was it, hey, I just got this check for you know twenty five <laughs> grand. You know what? That'll last me the next mm, six months, a year. Mm-hmm. If I if I don't do anything more, I got six months of trying this thing out, and and I'm going to do it. Or or was it something else? No, it's it was just kind of uh, after I got that check. And it was just, I was like, wow, it, it does work. I can do this. And so I knew with, with more time and, and a little money for marketing now that, you know, I, I could scale it and, and really turn it into something. So that's what I decided to do. Yeah. That's cool. That's, that's cool. great. Um, do you, uh, do, do you miss climbing, you know, uh, towers no, and, no, and, no and I never even actually got that far, you know, climbing towers. I was, I was just a grunt. So, uh, all right. No, I don't miss this. I, it was fun in the summertime, I guess yeah. you could say, when it was nice outside. But I, I don't miss working in the the slopping mud and the rain. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you said you were in law enforcement. I mean, were you a police officer? What? Yeah, what, I was I'm just a curious. Police officer for about five years. Oh, cool. Yeah. And and do you mind my prying or or you know don't you know I'm afraid I'm afraid <laughs> to ask these questions. Wait, I get to interview the cops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting grilled now. So. Yes, yes, yes. No, no I just uh, – What, what, what I, was it that kind of got you out of that? It just got to the point where especially being in a small town where, you know, wife and I couldn't go out and have dinner because you'd, you'd hooked most of the cooks and <laughs> anybody you dealt with. And you know, we had to drive out of town to go get groceries because, you know, you just, just didn't want to be around people that you were 
dealing with at night. That's really funny. After that many, after four or five years of dealing with the same people, with the same issues, and yeah. working working so hard to to get them, especially the bad ones, put away, and then a week later they're out on the street doing the same thing. It was it was mind numbing for me. <laughs> yeah. I, I, they would have drove me nuts to keep doing it. So makes sense. Makes yes. sense. All right. So you you did these wholesale deals. You you bought a bunch of rentals up front, kind of get us up to where we are today. I mean, did you continue to pick up rental properties? Uh, have you been wholesaling? What's been going on the past? Yeah, so of time? Actually what I, what I've been focusing on, and I guess you could probably call it more of procrastination and distraction than focusing, but uh, building my network and, and meeting other guys in the area. And I've, I've met one guy uh, locally that I'm working with now. We're, we're actually partnering and uh, he's, he's taking care of, he wanted to expand and move into another area and it was the area that I was working. So I said, hey, this is what I don't like doing. And uh, so he agreed to do, you know, the direct mail part of things. And I agreed to kind of set appointments and go on appointments and get deals under contract. And and we'd split the profits. And so that's what we're doing. Nice. So you guys are partners instead of, you know, fighting and competing and saying, you know, this is my yeah, town. No. Yeah, no, you guys, we, uh, you guys I mean, we don't, have a, we don't have an entity, no contract, anything like that. It's just, you know, we're just agreed to work with each other. And, and uh, in fact, we closed another deal Friday. And nice. That was a good deal. And so I think that was just uh, just under 18000 on that one. Nice. That's great. And, um, Did you get that from direct mail also? Yep. That was another yellow letter. Nice. That, uh, and it was a, that was another one that went on for four three, four, five months and it wow. really wow. So, strung out. So yeah. So you really want to be patient and, 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 you know, wait it out because something that you may think is a dead deal in time, if you really continue to work, it can work out, can it? Yeah. And it's sellers are funny. They just like, they'll just disappear off the face of the earth and then out of the blue, they'll give you a call. <laughs> so, yeah. But this yeah. is why like I hear wholesalers all the time say, or you know, like the ones that are really good at direct mail is you just keep mailing being, mm-hmm. I think Jerry Puckett always says consistent and persistent, mm-hmm. right? Like just, it's just, you keep going cause you never know. And if your letter, yellow, yellow letter is sitting on their table when they're ready to sell and you're going to be the one they call, you yeah. just never know. So yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, with this one, it was, it was, a uh, one of those deals where he, you know, had, he, he was an absentee owner out of state, lived in Florida. And he thought the house was in a lot better shape than it was. And so he actually called me when he was on his way to come check out the property. And uh, I asked him if he'd seen it lately. And he's like, um, well, no, why? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so after after he's seen it, um, I didn't hear from him for a long time. And then through, I, I'd, I even sent him a couple contracts in the mail. And, and a couple months went by and he sends me a text message. And he's like, should we try this again? And I knew he was ready at that time. So I jumped nice. on it. Nice. How else do you market besides yellow letters? I mean, you've got a website. Got a website. Um, starting to get some good leads coming in off of that. Nice. Um, I've really been trying to learn about uh, a little bit of AdWords and SEO, and that's that's the whole thing that um, I find it's a real distraction for me. I'm easily lost in the rabbit hole chasing shiny objects. I mean, I'll spend a I'll spend two or three weeks researching websites and SEO and you haven't sent out any letters and wondering why I'm not getting calls. And it, it's so easy to get lost. A guy's really just got to, you know, I think he, it, the key for me now is having somebody that I'm accountable to. So that if I'm not holding up my end of the deal, I know it's, uh, it's, you know, it's going to get tougher. So yeah. that really helps me is having somebody now to, 
be accountable to. You know, and that that's the partner you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hands. I mean, hands down today, if I decided, you know, I'm going to become a full-time wholesaler. I want to make a lot of money wholesaling. The very first thing I would do is find a partner just like that. Cause I know that mm-hmm. me personally, I need that motivation. Like, I mean, that's kind of like with bigger pockets, right? Like Josh is my motivation to do stuff on BP. Cause like, you know, like he, he pushes me, I push him to like, let's drive things better. Let's do this and that. Uh, the same thing with my real estate, like my wife with my rentals, she pushes me, but there's mm-hmm. never been anybody that pushed me wholesaling. So I never did a whole lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's exactly what I would do is find somebody to, to keep me accountable and to push me, you know, like, uh, I think that's great. So anybody listening, I mean, if you don't have that kind of partner or whatever, maybe, you know, go throw up an ad in the marketplace. So, um, and on, on that, on that note, I want to talk real quick about managing your time. Cause you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned like, it's easy to get down that rabbit hole of, of shiny objects. So when you quit your job, what was that like? I mean, all of a sudden now you've got full time all day long to do whatever you wanted. It's <laughs> a good and, question. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it was going to be awesome. And, uh, <laughs> I thought it was grand, you know, sit at home on the, you know, doing your work at home, work from anywhere. But, uh, I, we, we just, uh, my wife and I just recently bought our first foreclosure at auction. And so we're, we're rehabbing that and going to be moving into that. And I'm happy that it's actually going to have dedicated office. Nice. Because right now it's so easy to get distracted, especially if you're a little bit ADD like me. It's like I could be here, you know, building my my list and and my calls that I need to make, and it's like, oh, the yard needs mode. <laughs> yep. So it's just, uh, you know, I thought working at home was going to be great, but it, it it can be a real distraction. So yeah. I guess a guy just tell you try it, you don't know, but uh, <laughs> yep. You know, one one thing I found like that I fell into was the NP. I've said this before, but when I quit my job, the you know the last time, and I said I'm going to be you know full time real estate, I found myself doing repairs all the time. I started working in my business, and I just kept focusing inward instead mm-hmm. of outward. And it wasn't until like really we started doing this podcast, like Josh, like and all the guests are like, work on your business, work on your business, on your business. That's really when I started saying, oh, you know that that's right. So the last two years have been quite a you know a change where I don't do any repairs really anymore at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Despite what Ben Labovich thinks and makes fun yep. of me for daily, I don't actually do my own repairs anymore and I've been working. So nice. Yeah. Nice. I think that's just, uh, <laughs> I think it's a progression people make and yeah, that's uh, great. It, yeah if you're going to work on your own, you got to do it. So anyway, so, so what do you do to manage your time? I mean, you say you're easily distracted, you know, you say in the future you're going to have an office, but, but today you don't. So mm-hmm. how do you make sure you get up, you know, start work at whatever time and, and kind of get through the day and, and get your work done. What, what, what do you do to force yourself to do that? Kind of what my schedule is now is I've, I've made myself, uh, there's a few out there. I kind of customized one that I found, but it's kind of your a breakdown of your day. I get up, um, I, I jot things down at night before I go to bed and then I get up. First thing I do in the morning is go over my priorities. You know, what has to be done today, no matter what, um, you know, organize the projects that I'm working on and, and pick out one or two tasks out of those projects that need to get done. Uh, people I need to contact and it just kind of, it, it really having that on paper. Uh, and I really suggest that for people who are easily distracted is having it on paper so that it's there and not just on your phone or on your computer, but uh, something you can look back to multiple times a day just to keep you on track. And that's really helped me a lot. And I've only been doing that the last, the last month. But uh, it's it's made a huge difference as far as if I if I catch myself outside, you know, working on the house or doing something, I'm pull that out of my pocket and you know, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Get get your ass back to work. Kind of thing. Nice, <laughs> yep. nice. That's great. So, yeah, yeah. No, it, it definitely helps me having it on paper. I find the same thing. I do it with I would, Evernote now. 
Yeah. yeah. I, and I've got Evernote too and I was using it, but I found that uh, it, it's easy not to open the app. And if it's there, <laughs> if it's if it's sitting right in front of you or you feel it every time you, you put your hand in your pocket and you pull it out, it's it, it just works better for me to have yep. it on paper. Yeah. I yeah, still I've do tried, I still I've do post it notes. Yep. Post its Yeah. <laughs> I got yep. those. You know what I really like? I really like these little notebooks that I get at conferences. Nice. And these things, you know, it's just to like a little, uh, they, they make like a moleskin notebook, like a reporter's notebook. And mm-hmm. I find these really handy. You just, you know, jot your notes down, keep them with you because Evernote, I'll, I'll be, get all excited. I'll be like, yeah, let me put everything in Evernote. And I'll put like all these things in and then it lasts for a day. <laughs> and then six months pass by and I've done nothing. Yep. Yeah. So. I, there is one app that I still, I still use and uh, it's called Todoist. I, I know it. Yeah. Heard that one, but I, I do like that one. As far as organizing your projects and and kind of keeping track of things, I do. I still do use that one. Yeah. Uh, but what helps the most is keeping it on paper, writing it down. Yeah. And, nice. And everybody's got their own system, and whatever mm-hmm. works for you is going to work for you. So that's great. Well, cool. Listen. Do you hear uh, that, Josh? Yeah. What? Do you hear that? It's time for the fire round. All right, the fire round. These questions come straight from the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're going to fire them at you, Kyle. You ready for it? I'm ready. All right. Number one, what do you think is more time-consuming, wholesaling or rehabbing? Mm, I would say rehabbing means I've done one. Okay. <laughs> Especially uh, since you did it yourself. Like, did it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so that's another thing that gets you off track. You know, So there was two, two almost three months where I wasn't sending out mail, wasn't making calls, and yep. I got you, – you, you, it definitely takes more time rehabbing, especially if a person's doing it yourself. Um, nice. So that's what I would say perfect. there. <laughs> right on, right on. Right on. Cool. You don't need to say it anymore, man. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. When starting out wholesaling, is it best to begin finding motivated buyers or motivated sellers? Is it so? You know, do you build a buyers list, mm-hmm. or do you just go and find the deals? I would, uh, I would say, especially the experience I've had finding the deals. Yeah. Uh, you can, you know, especially nowadays, you know, everybody's pushing their wholesale course and buyers are getting calls from people who have never done a deal and they're not going to take you seriously if you don't have yep. a deal to present to them. So I'd say yeah. go, I'd say go find a deal. That's great advice. Yeah. All right. So the next question then is kind of related. How are you finding your buyers? Like, how do you find cash buyers? How have you done it? I've got a few buyers off of Craigslist and, you know, now I do a little history on them to make sure that they're actual buyers. Yeah, and, uh, but also uh, the, the partner that I work with, he's been doing it a lot longer than I have. So we use we use his buyers most of the time. I, mean, I don't have to focus on that part of it. <laughs> How many buyers do you guys use? Well, the, and the ones that I've been involved with, there's just been three. So. Yeah, and that's you know that that kind of goes back to the other question, right? And you know the the I think the gurus are all out teaching guys build this buyers list, build your buyers list. We got software that helps you build a buyers list. All this stuff, and I'm like. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. What are you people doing? <laughs> I got like it's you, you you've done all these wholesale deals and you've used three buyers, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. average wholesaler that we talk to uses a handful of buyers. You don't need a big giant buyers list. Yeah, I would I would suggest instead of having a hundred buyers, find one buyer that does a hundred deals a year and I like you it. know. I, I got a, I got a, this is not, I'm not even kidding. I got a private message today on this exact thing. And here's what the private message said on BP. It said, 
hey, what do you think of this program I just saw online? Links to it. And he says, it says that I can get cash buyers delivered to my inbox automatically and I don't have to do any work and I can make money wholesaling. Do you think that's legit? And I'm like, like I don't, I don't even understand how that's like a question that people can ask. You know, like you're, if everybody did that, then everybody would be doing that. I mean, if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. But like, yeah. you're going to sit in your underwear and lead the, <laughs> just going to magically buyers are going to show up in your inbox and then magically sellers, motivated sellers are going to show up in your inbox. And all you have to do is like click a button and it joins them together and you all of a sudden make 20 grand. And that's what wholesaling is, right? Like, well, no, that's how the gurus make their money selling to the guys <laughs> who think that things are magically going to appear in their inbox. It but you know, blows my mind. It yeah. Blows my mind. Anyway, it's crazy. Okay. All right. Last question. Last question. Last question. Here we go. Fire round. Last question is what is the best strategy for finding wholesale opportunities? Uh, Obviously. Well, for me, the yellow letters have been the best, uh, get the best response rate. I don't send, and mine aren't branded. They just, they're, they're just handwritten font, yellow letters, handwritten envelope uh, coming from, you know, John down the street that wants to buy your house. It's, uh, is that, is that the return address? John down the street that wants to buy your house? Yeah. Can if I anything fancy? They're just real. <laughs> I actually couldn't believe the response I got when I started using them. They're just real generic. And, and what is your response rate? It varies, but it's between 12 and 16% on yellow letters. That's great. I mean, that's yeah. higher than a lot of people here. Okay. I wonder how much of that is. It's like, now you, I know we got to move on, but like you're not doing these yellow letters in your little tiny town, right? Aren't you going like outside like Olympia or whatever? Yeah, I, I don't work there. I mean, there's. The yeah, there's not a market. He's arrested work. everybody in his little town. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, the closest market that I work, I mean, it's it's an hour and a half away. So okay. when yeah. I set my appointments and stuff, you know, that's come back to scheduling. I try to set them all for, you know, a couple days a week so that, it, you know, you guys not spending all your time driving. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's and great. When, well, and when you are driving, you should tune in to the Bigger Pockets podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've actually told people that many times before. I'm like, you know, I, I always say that line that you can find good deals in within a two-hour drive of anywhere in the U.S. I mean, you kind of prove that you're in the middle of nowhere, yeah. but yeah, you know, like within an hour and a half, two-hour drive. And so, yeah, you use that. I mean, use that to gain the education. We got what 150 hours of podcasts now, or something. Yeah, turn your turn your car into your mobile university. Just don't yeah. listen yeah. to music. You know, listen to something that's uh, and that's what I do. I have uh, there's three main podcasts that I listen to. One's Bigger Pockets. The other one's more you know, working on mindset and uh, the other one's another real estate podcast, but you got to, I'm not a book, a big book guy. I'm, I I, I listen to a lot of, a lot of podcasts, a lot of episodes. Cool. And the interesting thing about finding deals, you know, typically we're doing the opposite. Typically we're talking or defending, Hey, you know, you're in New York, Miami, Los Angeles, you're in a big city and you could find it within two hours. Well, we forget that the opposite's also true. There's a whole lot of people who live in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Let's just take anybody in North Dakota. Um, (laughs) And, you know, now I, I got to piss other people off than the folks in Michigan. So, um, but, uh, yeah, listen, within two hours, yeah, you could, you could definitely find deals. So I, I, think, I think that's great. Well, fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. I think it's time for something. Time for the Famous Four. All right, Famous Four. The Famous Four, these questions we ask everyone. So, Kyle, I know you've heard them before, but we're going to fire match you right now. Number one, what is your favorite real estate book? Now, you said you're not much of a reader, but do you have a favorite real estate book? I do have a favorite real estate book, and um, 
favorite, my favorite room. <laughs> 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 yes. yes. And the for those people who uh, with cannot... No or low money down. <laughs> I, I'll give you your 20 bucks later. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite real estate book? The most interesting book I've read, and I haven't read a lot of them, to be honest with you, but uh, was the one by uh, Peter Conti and and, uh, David Finkel, the one on uh, lease options. I don't really remember the name of it, but that's what it was. Yeah. I have it sitting in my room here somewhere. It's like, uh, yeah, I don't remember either, but yeah, they can look it up on Amazon, those two guys. (laughs) And uh, I'm like making big money in something, but yeah. Yeah. And uh, the other one, if I were to Put them. I've never read Rich Dad Poor Dad, but I have read some of the Rich Dad Poor Dad real estate books. And the Guide to Real Estate Investing is a it's a really really good breaks down the basics and how to get started. And and so that's that was the first ever real estate book I actually read. Was the is that like the ABCs of real estate? That one uh, or uh, the the real book no, of real estate? No, it just called. says uh, Guide, guide to, to Real Estate. Okay, yeah. okay, cool, nice, nice. What about uh, business books? What's your Favorite business book? My favorite uh, business book um, would be probably How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. yeah, that's been my favorite book so far. Nice. And I actually read that full, full front to back. So nice. nice. <laughs> didn't that. stop halfway through and started. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Cool. All right, man. What, what about hobbies? What do you do in the middle of nowhere? I mean, other than. Um, I, I like to hunt. Cow tipping? Like oh, yeah. Was, cow tipping. Yeah. There's cow tipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you hunt? Uh, anything. Man, people. <laughs> people. Yeah, I used to hunt people. <laughs> That's actually dry too. <laughs> uh, all right. Cool. No, I like hunting. to be outdoors, elk hunting, deer hunting. Um, nice. I, I you should invite Brandon down and, and get some video of him. I would have a hard thing. I, 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 would, I would enjoy it. watching <laughs> that. Making my decoy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like my fuzzy animals too much. Squeal to like a pig, boy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My last question of the day. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors, especially newbies, uh, from those who give up, f- fail, quit, you know, run away, crying? What sets them apart? Um, definitely, I think what sets them apart is just to keep pushing forward, even when it gets tough or, you know, you you come across obstacles if it on any of my deals that I've done, none of them except for the the one big one has been easy. They've all had their challenges and it would have been so easy just to, just to walk away from it. And, uh, so I would say persistence and uh, perseverance and just keep working through it. That would be my great. Awesome. That's great. Great. That's great. All right, Kyle, where, where can people find out more about you? Uh, you can find me on my Facebook page. Um, I don't even know what the URL is on it, but uh, just search well, me on you'll Facebook. You'll give it to us. Yeah, I'll link we'll to it. it the, in yeah. the show notes. Uh, that or uh, my website that you can't spell right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, what is that website? It's uh, EliteAcquisitionsNorthwest.com. So Elite, well, it's not Northwest. It's NW. NW. Yeah, EliteAcquisitionsNW.com is my okay. website. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, guys, this is show 97 of the Bigger Pockets podcast with, uh, with Kyle Pettit. Kyle, it's, uh, it's really been a pleasure. Uh, if anyone wants to ask you questions, they could do it on the show notes page at biggerpockets.com slash show 97. And I'm, I'm guessing they can also uh, find you on Bigger Pockets as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. All right, man. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. We really do appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, guys. All right, guys, thanks again to our sponsor, RealtyShares.com. We really appreciate them supporting us in the show. And uh, otherwise, thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, It's uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun talking with Kyle. 
and we definitely appreciate him and his time. Uh, otherwise, if you are not already active on Bigger Pockets, we definitely recommend you jump in. Uh, Bigger Pockets, it's just such a great place to meet guys like Kyle and all our other guests. You know, these guys come in, they hang out, uh, they help one another out, they do business, they do deals, you know, and, and it all kind of stems from getting on, creating your account, not just creating an account, but being visible, communicating, connecting to people, posting on the forums, um, interacting. So if you're not doing that, I definitely recommend you do so. Uh, otherwise, check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on G+, on LinkedIn. We're even on Pinterest. But uh, check us out, You know, find out about some of the cool stuff we're sharing. And uh, that's all I got for you. Brandon, Charlie, got anything for us? No, we're good. No. You good, Charlie? All right, Charlie would be Arf. Brandon's lapdog sitting on his lap, not his imaginary friend for those of you who cannot see us. But uh, sounds good. Well, listen, guys, thanks for tuning in. Show 97. You can check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 97. And uh, until next time, I'm Josh Dorkin signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.